Happy Hanukkah and be a Hanukkah light to the world. Shalom, this is Feng Yu Liang. Please say a blessing for me on Israel National Radio that I will get married soon. Toda Rabbah. Shalom. Feng Yu from Southern California is an Israel National Radio listener and one of our Hanukkah lights. Blessings to you, Feng Yu, and a happy Hanukkah. And may you find and marry that special one that you're looking for. Happy Hanukkah. Shalom and welcome to all of you lovers of Hashem, His Torah, Israel, and the Noahide Nations. We appreciate you getting around here with us on the Noahide Nation show today. Today's a, a wonderful Tuesday. Uh, Adam and I have been talking about a what we believe is going to be an interesting and different and interactive show because we're, we're going to need the folks' help, aren't we, Adam? Yeah, I, I don't know that the point of this show is so much to tell anybody anything, but really to just sort of uh, pontificate a little bit about uh, some things. Pontificate. I've always liked that word. It's a great. It's a great word. It's, it's a cool what, sounding word. Pontificate. One of, one of my favorite. Definitely. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, as we mentioned, we're going to be talking about a, a topic here in in a moment. And uh, when I mentioned the word interactive, which I also like that word too, interactive. So cool. We need you folks to really interact with us. This particular topic, as uh, Adam mentioned, we're not here to you know really tell anybody anything. We're uh, going to be talking about what we believe to be a serious subject or something that needs to be looked at very seriously within our own selves. But we really want your comments. We want to know what you're thinking because we know that there's a lot of this going on right now about this very subject. So, you know, put your thinking caps on and don't be shy. I mean, send us your comments and thoughts to uh, noahide at israelnationalradio.com. We're uh, anxious to hear from you, and uh, maybe we can uh, get some of these posted on the uh, next show and uh, on the website as well. Yeah, that'd be great. And just to give everybody sort of an idea, you know, one of the things that I've always loved about Judaism has been music. I enjoy the music. I enjoy the the way it sort of lifts your soul up and how it helps you connect to Hashem and how it helps you connect to other people when you're singing together and you're singing these holy songs and you're, you know, singing these holy ideas. And and so I love music. And so, you know, for me, there's nothing better than finding good music. And and what I define as good music is, you know, good music that, that has a good, you know, Torah message to it that, you know, helps elevate you and, and all that. And, uh, for a lot, for a long time, some of the, the, the my favorite music in, in this regard has been uh, from a fellow by the name of Matis Yahoo, and uh, which is a little bit odd for me. I, I mean, uh, certainly I could never sing a song like him, but you know, I, I, <laughs> I I've always you know it, I, I've enjoyed it because you know I always felt that this was somebody who was you know searching and had kind of come to some things and figured a few things out and would, but was still kind of looking and. Um, I don't know, it was a year or two ago, um, we hear the, the news that he's breaking off from Chabad. This is who he, he usually, he, he originated from Chabad. And then, well, let's, let's go back a little bit further even. Now, sure. he's a Baal Shuva, right? He's a Baal Shuva, okay. correct, yeah. Okay. And when did all that happen? Well, um, geez, I think uh, I was in college, so about okay. 10 years ago or so. So it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a few years, yeah. Uh, okay, good. And, and then he was, was he, he was with Chabad for a long time? 
I, I think he was. I think he he for two or three years he'd, he'd been going through this process of conversion and uh, then started sort of his uh, his his music venture where okay. he went up there and started taking some of the concepts and ideas he'd been learning and started putting them in the form of, of music to listen to. Okay, and so then. Um, so here I am, uh, reading Eric Sheva, looking at reading what what news is going on, and there's a very strange photo uh, photo of somebody, and it's none other than Mahdi Yahoo, <laughs> who has completely shaved off his beard and removed his religious trappings, and you know no kippah, no no uh, titi, you know nothing, and um, it seems from seemed from the photo to to indicate that. Uh, you know, he was uh, he was sort of making a statement. You know, I'm 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 not that religious guy. I'm not that tour observant guy. You know, I'm 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 a I'm just a regular regular Joe. And and, and the thing was was that uh, the the thinking that went on for me was how does a person? And I'm going to assume that the the entire process has been a very sincere thing for him because it's a little bit hard for me to imagine that someone who wrote beautiful lyrics. Would would be that would be that insincere, and so we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But you have to wonder: How does a person go on this road of trying to find himself, how to, trying to find his shim, and then it seems like finding his shim and rejoicing in that, and writing music and connecting to people and helping them, you know, make a similar discovery, and then just kind of walking away from that. How how does that happen? What's what's going on? You know, this is a this is sort of the the, the question that I started. I started pondering. Well, and you have to believe, like you say, that this he didn't want to become a Jew or go through a conversion process to make money with his music. Yeah, become Australia. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't going to happen because let's face it, Jewish music is uh, what you you know you call a small uh, niche uh, industry. It's uh, very small segment of a huge, huge pie. Um, I mean, I know Sam Glaser, he played at our world conference, and the guy's a fabulous songwriter, musician, entertainer, the whole, I mean, the guy's sure. entertained at the White House. Sure. You know, he's, he's sung the national anthem at Ballpark. I mean, the guy, is he's the real deal. Mm-hmm. And yet, he's still just... Because he, he he plays Jewish music and he's an Orthodox Jew and he's very serious about it and all his music is reflective of this. But he's not making a ton of money and I mean he's released over twenty albums and still has to tour fifty cities a year just to wow. make ends meet. Yeah, you know. So there's there's no one who will ever convince me that uh, Metzyahu did any of this conversion process as a result of. I'm going to try and become wealthy you mean, from you mean, selling you mean, records. You mean uh, Balchuva, not conversion, because he was always a Jew. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, That's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Sometimes, just, yeah. Gee, <laughs> yeah, so, thanks, Adam. Uh, but, yeah, you get my point. I mean, yeah. we're, we're talking about a guy that uh, now has, has thrown something out to his fan base and to the world that people are beginning to wonder, huh? And, you know, he's not he's not the only one. I've seen other... Jewish artists, you know, get off the derrick. And get off the derrick is sort of this, this this notion of saying that when you're keeping the commandments, you're on the path. You know, you're on this path that Hashem has laid out for us to connect with them, to draw close to him. And when you're off the derrick, that means you've sort of, you, you know, you remember the Wizard of Oz? The munchkins tell Dorothy not to get off the 
the, the yellow brick road. Right. Well, right. Well, the commandments <laughs> are the yellow brick road. And when somebody gets off the derrick, they've gotten off the yellow brick road. And they and that's when the, the witch can start setting them on fire and have her monkeys come after you and all that kind of stuff. Right. So, you know, um, other musicians I've enjoyed, like Why Love, you know, have uh, seemed to have gotten off the derrick a bit. And uh, Judah Maccabee, who... Music was so so, but I like some of it. Some of it I was wasn't thrilled with. But the point is, is that you know there's this element in all of them where they, at one time they were representing this great connection to Hashem or professing it through their music. And I don't think that it was. I don't think they were being disingenuous by it. But something happened. Well, and even beyond that, they were bringing others, bringing others along to for it. the ride. Yeah, because I mean, music uh, it, it does things to your soul. And the words just feed the soul and feed the mind. So not only was he doing it for himself, he was doing it for a great many others as well. And that's why Breslov so, is really big about, you know, music. Right. You know, and singing and all that. Right. So, you know, that's really the, the big question of the day is if, in fact, he has strayed from the path, as uh, Adam uh, says here, or intends to or what have you, how, how does that happen? How do you go from such a a powerful, strong, and deep belief to where all of a sudden it would just almost like be gone? Is as gone as is every his beard yeah. is gone now? Sure, it's like it does. It doesn't make sense when you know people like you and I, and I'm sure a great many of our listeners look at it. It just doesn't make sense, and yet it yeah. happens more frequently than we even care to admit. And not just with you know celebrities, which actually I would expect it to have happen more often with celebrities. I think there's a special kind of pressure there that they they come upon. But you know, regular people. I mean, they go through these types of things. You one day, you know, I had a friend in uh, Israel who was a, a convert, and um, twenty years going strong with with Judaism, and then one day, it's gone. And it's just like, what happened? What what what's going on? What 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 happened in your life? What happened in your thinking? Were you able to ask that question? No, never oh. was able to ask that question. I I, I wish I, I could. Maybe someday I will be able to. Uh, it sort of just sort of disappeared. I've had a couple of friends that happened. So what happens? What what goes through someone's mind? And asking this in a serious and a concerned way because, you know, we we uh, I, I think as as people who are all looking to service him and, and grow attached to him. Not necessarily because we're concerned for ourselves, what'll be with ourselves, but you know, how could you, you know nobody likes the idea of a, a precious soul, a precious child of Hashem, straying away from Him. So it's an important question to ask: what what happens for these people? What, what's going on? Is there something they're missing? Is there something that in their their mind they never were able to settle on? There's something in their heart they were never able to settle on. Um, do they get full of themselves? Do they do they start thinking they had the, the answers? Do they start thinking that? Uh, you know what? I mean, what is it? What, what what's going on? Maybe it's different for each person, but or was it somebody uh, other than themselves talking to themselves, really coming to this conclusion? Somebody else who led them sure. to that conclusion? Because when you get right down to it, it is a a pretty radical decision to come to. If in fact that's well, what, a, what happened? It, it's a radical decision to decide to be religious. Well, so, a lot of times, you know is. what I mean. But you know, you were you were hitting on something, and I was thinking about it as you were saying it. That uh, people seem to be born, and I'm just going to go ahead and say, born with this spark. We have as humans, as, as Hashem's creation, this need to be with the Creator 
only we don't know that that's what that need is. Mm-hmm. And as a human, it's you know part of our job to discover that and and find th- that path, and then get on that path, learn as much as we can, do as much as we can in uh, the name of Hashem, and become closer to Hashem. But we're always drawn to the source of life. That's what that spark inside of us is. And when we see people who are you know, it doesn't really matter if you're a Noahide now or a Jew now and you had gone off the path and, and, and now you're back. Something has gotten you to that point. I know you're back in the 60s. For those of us who remember, the, the big <laughs> phrase was, well, so what have you been doing lately? I haven't seen you around for a while. Well, I've been searching. I've been, I've been searching for myself. My inner being, and well, you know what it is. It's it's what we're talking about right here, right now. Is it's that spark reaching back for the the source of life. That's where we want to be. That's where we're the most comforted. And when you find that, and you find that truth, and you find that reality, and it's happening in your life, how do you stray away from it? Yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm sure right. some of what needs to be looked at is this uh, idea of having to live in this physical world because we are so physical in in our not just bodies but in our thoughts and in things that we we do uh, in fact everything that we do when you get right down to it is pretty much a physical act so when you're talking about from you know cradle to grave so to speak most of it is completely physical well, you know being a parent i've been able to kind of get this see this uh in in actuality but uh you know, when a child is born, the child is completely consumed with its own needs. It only cares about what it needs, not what other people need. Right. You know, um, I've seen, uh, you know, my little one, Eliana, who's just the sweetest little thing. But sometimes, especially now, she's almost two now. <laughs> sometimes, though, she doesn't, you know, you want you want a nice little, little smooch from her. Or you want a little hug or something like that. And she does not want to give one to you. And she says no, because she's learned that word no. And she says no, and you go, oh, I really want a little smooch from her, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, as an adult, I think we we you know we we eventually kind of, in some ways, hopefully, grow out of that. <laughs> Children grow up and they start becoming aware that other people mm-hmm. have feelings just like I have feelings, right? And boy, can I manipulate those feelings? <laughs> well, but even but even I think sometimes even uh, you know when they grow older, hopefully they've got they've had a certain amount of guidance. And they've got a certain uh, neshama, a certain, certain will to also be nice to other people. So right. we do begin off life in a, from a very self-absorbed, very selfish uh, standpoint. And the goal is is to eventually move from this point where we're trying to receive everything for ourselves. And eventually, you know, all this blessing that Hashem sends to me, I should also be passing it on to other people. You know, we're supposed to be sort of recognizing the limitations of wealth and the ego the fame and 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 all these other things that realizing that you know we're not the center of attention we're not not the ones who our job is not to sit around going what can i acquire for myself that's not really why we're here right well and that teaching uh, i've heard by multiple uh, rabbis and even people who aren't rabbis you know receiving for one's own self is quite frankly it's a very destructive path if that's all it's about. Exactly. And and if you continue to, to live that way where it becomes a, a condition of who you are, I mean, we see it all over the place. I mean, you look at Hollywood. 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to use that because there are so many of them that are so self-indulged that it's not even about the money. And we're talking about these people are making millions and millions and millions of dollars. They're, they are also so into themselves. I mean, there was just a recent story on uh, Alec Baldwin. <laughs> it was American Airlines or something. He just absolutely refused to put his phone down and turn it off. Just refused to do it because he's the great Alec Baldwin and you're not. As a result, they had to halt the plane, go back to the terminal and get him off the plane <laughs> so they could leave. And he was very upset and very indignant about it. In fact, he went on Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live It was making jokes about it. And it's like somehow he feels this entitlement uh, as a result of his notoriety, particularly in his own mind, that he's entitled to this somehow, that he can just treat people like, like, like dirt. But that's probably going to the extreme side of things. We're still back to this idea of what about people who have actually been on this path with Hashem? I, I, don't, I don't know that Alec Baldwin ever was, or that he ever will be, for that matter. But uh, we're talking about people who have been there that aren't there any longer. How do you go from such a, uh, a truth to basically not believing in that truth anymore, or maybe you still do but have set it aside that now you're the one that's responsible for your moving up in the world, so to speak, and it's really not about God anymore. You know, I, you know the, the thing is that you're saying this kind of causes me to think about a couple of things because the fact of the matter is, is that as I think about my own life, I know there have been times where I've reached a certain level of um, spiritual intensity. I've had certain experiences that have been so spiritually intense that actually what happened was that as a result of it, it backed me away from uh, from from continuing to draw close to Hashem. I, I remember one time I had this incredible experience and um, stopped studying Torah for a year. You? Yeah. My gosh. <laughs> I, I could never imagine that. <laughs> but it was just so intense that that basically, I, I don't know, I think it just sort of like, you know, uh, it was so shocking. I think it almost put you in sort of a state of, of uh, or I, for myself, I think it kind of put me in a state of, uh, I don't know, shock. I was like sort of spiritually comata- in a spiritual coma for a while, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that's part of it. Maybe there maybe some people hit, hit something and it, you know, it forces them. To you know, they've, they've hit. They're they're going up to the next level. Or they're 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 going beyond where they are, and and it's just so much that they can't. It's a little too intense, maybe. I, I don't know, and it throws a little regression into their progress. You know, yeah. Or maybe you know, Hashem, Hashem is throwing out that roadblock where it's time for you to you know elevate yourself further than you are now. Yeah, and it takes some difficulty in life to actually get past that barrier. Where it's not this easy yellow brick road kind of thing, <laughs> yeah. Where you just elevate and just there's nothing to this. Sing because songs, I've yeah. noticed that when you really, when it comes, when it comes right down to it, and you're talking about uh, Hashem elevating you to, you know, the, many say that you know, to whom much is given, much is required, mm-hmm. and sometimes getting to those places 
is 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 more difficult than it was to originally get on the path in the first place. Sure. Because now you're going down that path, and that you know I've often wondered about that too. I mean, we've had you know in our lives we've had things that have just it traumatized us where it's like how could this possibly be happening and you know you can come to a point where you just need something to remind you and for us anyway for the most part Hashem has always been there to you know give us that little nudge that little note little bit of encouragement and if you're not ready for it boy you'll miss it yeah I mean you just absolutely do uh, so sure. you have to be a- aware of it, but I wonder if that's part of it. Where it's, you know the the test is is truly a test. Where I mean, it takes your willpower to get across that border. Kind of you know the whole story about the Red Sea. Most people just know about it. Moses just parted the the sea. Well, actually, it took the, uh, people from the tribe of Judah to jump in first before Hashem part of the sea mm-hmm. and so that was a, a an act of their will that did that that probably wasn't pleasant for some i mean you know not everyone's a great swimmer mm-hmm. you know <laughs> so i'm sure there were many people who were going oh my gosh what, what am i doing here and uh, yet they they went in and because of that act of will they were worthy of moving on to the next level which was the parting of the sea and going through it to the other side yeah, you know, there there are, are are so many possibilities here and but the fact of the matter is is that some people progress, some people don't progress. And you know, I just really hate the idea that a, a person would stop would stop drawing close to a shin that a person would uh, you know, go away from him. And you know, I'll tell you in those the times that I had where I had these great intense spiritual moments that really caused me after I finished experiencing them, to kind of withdraw into myself a bit, you know, what always brought me back around was, I was that at some point I would I would I would just kind of, uh, you know what? I have a better idea. Why don't we continue this? Yeah, I, I feel like this is going to a depth that we may not be able to, <laughs> to come back to the surface by the time we hit the bottom of the hour. Right, so, right. So uh, we do have a special guest uh, uh, coming uh, w- when we come back. Uh, as I mentioned uh, last week, I think I mentioned it, Rabbi David Katz is going to be joining the Noahide Nation show. And he's going to be giving us uh, what I believe to be an excellent teaching. And uh, Adam and I are going to you know, bring the show back after this little bit of a break and uh, try and come to a conclusion on this if we can. But definitely, folks, put on your thinking, cast because we're looking to you for a little help, too. I mean, I guarantee Adam and I uh, don't know all the answers. In fact, we probably know less answers than, than we even think. The only answer I know is 42, so I, I don't know. Okay, 42. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Of course you've seen that. Oh, my gosh. I don't know why. Uh, My mind must have been out in the galaxy. Uh, But anyway, folks, stick around with us. Uh, Adam and I will be back on the other side. Appreciate you being with us. See you soon. National Radio Hanukkah dedication. A full and speedy recovery for Tiffany Marie Valdez. 
This is a blessing from your father, Allison, Rachel, and Nathan, from the Valdez family in Boston. Israel National Radio wishes Tiffany a Rufua Shalema. If you would like to make a Hanukkah dedication, email programming at israelnationalradio.com. That's P-R-O-G-R-A-M-M-I-N-G at israelnationalradio.com. Welcome back, folks. We appreciate you sticking around for the second half of our Noahide Nations show. We're having uh, kind of a, a discussion here that, you know, Adam and I, we don't know, we don't know the answers. Uh, we're looking for answers, and, you know, you, maybe you folks can help us out. I did want to uh, extend a, a heartfelt thank you to uh, George for his teaching last week, and George will continue to be with us, and uh, Rabbi Katz will be with us here uh, shortly. But I want to remind you folks that uh, they're really not uh, professionals. In fact, Adam and I really aren't <laughs> professionals at this. So if it sounds like it, gosh, this really doesn't sound like a radio show, it's probably because it really doesn't sound like a radio show at times. <laughs> but they'll get into the swing of things, and it'll sound more and more uh, like a more, let's say, professionally done type of hour. But if, at a minimum, the teachings are outstanding. You're not going to find them anywhere else. But here on Noahide Nations. So, Adam, here we are at the campfire. We're roasting some marshmallows. What's the answer to all this? I mean, and folks, we're not targeting Metzahu specifically. We're, we're targeting this idea of how do people get off this path. He's just sort of a he's just sort of a great example of a, rec- a recent example. A recent of, example, and, and, and I'm sure something everybody's talking about. So yeah, this right. Is pretty relevant. But you know, let me let me finish up what I told everybody. Um, you know what? What helped me kind of get back uh, to, to to pursuing Hashem again after my my little you know spiritual shock had worn off. And I think what happens is is a certain point. Basically, you pursue one of two things in this life: you're either going to pursue Hashem or you can pursue the world. You're going to pursue physicality, the, the the benefits of this world. You're going to pursue food, video games, movies. You know whatever happen whatever you happen to enjoy doing in this life, fishing. Too much, maybe, you know. Um, uh, I don't know lots of hobbies. I, I you know, uh, drawing, art, whatever. Well, for me, what happens? What ha- what's happened to me a couple of times is that uh, I'll sit there just kind of engaging in various types of pursuits, and will go, "Wow, really feel empty. I'm really not getting into this. This is not. What is the value with accomplishing something here?" What you know? What am I doing with my time? I so mean, this is kind of an intellectual thought that you're having. That, Was yeah. it kind of sparked by an emotion? Do you think, or just a feeling of just like just, just a feeling of empty? Like for example, at some point you're sitting there, you're watching a movie, and you go, "Why am I watching this? I don't even like it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even. Right. You know, why am I sitting in front of the TV? I don't even like TV that much. Why am I playing video games? I, you know, I just spent the last twelve hours, you know, last night playing this stupid game where I'm killing, you know, giant termites <laughs> for 12 hours you know so i can earn you know bonus points or whatever and what what am i doing with myself what am i gaining out of this i'm gonna you know and then but even to a certain extent with you know a career where you you know as a school teacher right i would i mean i would put hours into preparation and work and right. doing extracurricular activities for the kids and, and, and various things like that mm-hmm. 
and you know, then your life becomes consumed with your work and, and, and what you're doing at work. And then you go, what am I doing? You know, I'm not even, and I'm not even enjoying my life. I don't, even, I don't even know what my life is. And I've only got a certain number of years. I'm going to be on this planet. Do I, do I want my epitaph to read? He worked, he was a really hard worker. Do I, do, do I want to say he played lots of video games, watched lots of movies, right? had lots of hamburgers. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, what, you know, what, what exactly are we trying to accomplish here? So what happens? And, and this is really, it's kind of funny because when I think back on it, when it came into me starting off on my, my, uh, my journey of pursuing Hashem, the way it happened was that um, I would lay in bed at night. You know, I was in college, high school, college, and I would and I would think to myself, I am going to be so rich. <laughs> I am going to have so much money. I'm going to be so accomplished. I'll be this fantastic comic book artist, but I won't be satisfied by, by, by being this fantastic comic book artist and writer. I'll become, you know, a movie actor, and I'll become a, this, and I'll become that, and I'll become this, and I'm going to be so incredible that one day they're going to make a movie about my life. They're going to say, this is the movie about Adam, the most extraordinary person who ever lived, and it's going to be amazing. They're going to have the best actors portraying me and everybody I know. And, of course, the actors they're going to choose are going to look absolutely nothing like everybody that I know because <laughs> that wouldn't sell. But, you know, um, it's going to, you know, it's going to really have an impact on, on the world. And, and I'll have changed human thought for thousands of years, you know. So all these fantastic concepts. And so as I'm thinking about my movie, you know, who's going to play <laughs> me and all that, who am I, I going to cast, it occurs to me, you know, probably if they do it like most people, they're going to make the movie after I'm dead. <laughs> Well, that's no fun. What's the use in, in, in having a movie made about your life if you're dead? You can't enjoy it. You can't enjoy people telling you how great you are, which isn't that the purpose of having a movie made about your life. Hearing people go, oh, you really are great. I didn't really know it, but you're you're pretty cool. Right. And um, I'd go, well, then what's the purpose of, so why would I want that? And then if that's not going to do me any good after I'm dead, then what's the use of having lots of money going to do for me after I'm dead? And the fame and this and that. And so... And so basically what happened was, is I started over time reasoning backwards, going everything that I could pursue in this life ultimately has no meaning. It has no value. And that means that my life has no meaning. It has no value. Well, I don't want to live a life with no meaning or value. What do I do? Well, you know what? Maybe if I do something and my family remembers who I am or other people remember who I am, then my, then my legacy can live on. But wait a minute, they're going to pass away too. They're going to die at some point as well. And then they'll forget. And even if I were to build a, a monument, which happened in the ancient world a lot, and we still do it today, but this massive monument has my name written on it, right? Neon letters, right? right. At some point, that's going to crumble. And people are going to forget who built that monument and why they built it. Mm-hmm. There's my life. At some point, whether it's you know 10 years after I'm dead or you know 5000 years after I'm dead at some point there will be no meaning to my life my life will have accomplished absolutely nothing really so you get to the question why am i here why am i here <laughs> well no the question was not why am i here the question was how do i have a life of meaning and i said the only way cuz i think i was onto something with the idea of people remembering and thinking about you know all these wonderful things i did the only way in my thinking was was that i need to be able to have done things that something that could live beyond me would remember. And the only thing that would live beyond me that could ever think about, oh, you know, this Adam is somebody who is pretty, pretty great. 
was if God thought that about me. If God thought I was pretty great, hmm. God would never pass away. God would never die. God would never forget. So I started thinking, maybe I need to pursue God. Maybe that's what I should be doing with my life. Not pursuing stuff, but pursuing God. And that's what I started doing. And, you know, this is what's led me on this journey the last 14, 15, I don't know how long it's been, but for a while now, and it's kind of led me to where I am, is that that was my initial thing that got me going. And now as we're sitting here talking about, even when I've hit points where I've sort of gone into uh, soul shock or whatever, even from having intense, good, positive spiritual experiences, what's got me kind of going again, the very same thing. There's complete emptiness to anything that has nothing to do with God. So for myself, I can see, at least for my life, that seems to be what helps me, you know, even after I've had sort of a, a defeat or I've hit a roadblock, helps me kind of pick myself up and, and have another go at it. Now that I'm listening to you talk about that, I'm also, and I'm going back to the thought I had earlier in the show about the roadblocks, the tests, mm-hmm. where yeah. you are, you're being tested to where you have to go through an, a, a bit of an emotional state, which takes you to an intellectual exercise to get you to start asking and, more importantly, answering the questions and then taking action to get to what you're doing in fact you could even, you might even be able to say that gosh the torah is loaded with things that i could do that really do affect people's lives and, oh, and absolutely. every i mean every mitzvot that you do the reason we have mitzvot is for mankind not to make god happy or to benefit god in any kind of yeah, way it's sure. it's to benefit mankind so uh, you know each individual person ex- i mean exactly. each mitzvah that you do attaches you to a shem Exactly. So it's still a you know an interesting question for around the campfire, I guess. Is you know how how do people get off the path, get on the path? Is is it a test? Is it not a test? Uh, if it is a test, why is it a test? Uh, I mean, uh, this is kind of a a discussion that you could have seemingly endlessly. Well, but you know, I think also maybe people. It's a question to ask when you're struggling too. I mean, you've got to find. I think in your life. And this is just me speaking, just think pontificating is you've got to find something in your life that helps you journey, helps you on the, keep you on the, the, the yellow brick road. Right. Well, Adam, this has been truly revealing. And then again, not so much. <laughs> I mean, it's just that kind of subject. Mm. And we hope that uh, you the, out there in uh, Radio Land have, have picked up uh, a few things. And uh, we certainly want to hear from you. So I remind you to send uh, your comments to Noah Hyde at Israel nationalradio.com and until next week we are going to bring on board for the very first time rabbi david katz who's going to be teaching uh, how can i put this uh, the torah of shem and eber and avraham and jacob and all those noahides that are talked about in the torah so adam this will be something great to listen to for the first time but i will see you next week see you next week Welcome to the radio broadcast of the Yeshiva Shem and Aver, the Academy of Shem and Aver. Who exactly is Shem? Where does Shem come from? What does Shem have to offer Noahides today, in the past, present, future? Look no further to the very genealogy of Shem to understand the perspective of who he is, was, the movement, what will be from him. Prominent today 
which can be argued is more prominent today than in the times past. Where does Shem come from? Shem, the son of Noah. What is no, no, where does Noah come from? Who's Noah? We have the Noahide movement, the B'nai Noah, but who's Noah? In the Torah, it's brought down that Noah was born, and they said, a son has been born to us. They said, a son has been born to us. This son will ease the toil and labor of our hands. Now, the name Noah, you might think, means to comfort. A comforter has been given to us. A consoler has been born. But the commentators state, if his name meant comfort or console, his name would not be Noah. His name would be Menachem, the comforter. Now you might say this is nitpicking, but the very nature of the name Noah, Noah in Hebrew, as the easer, the one who eases the toil, has tremendous impact in the character of Noah, all the way into the character of Shem, in the movement of Shem B'nai Noah, Shem Ben Noah has existed for thousands of years, and today. We are seeing the fruit of that labor more so than any other time period in history. Now let's look at the name Noah. Noah means, as we said, to ease the, the, the labor, the toil of our hands. Shem brings down the idea, how do we, re, how do we ease the, the toil? Shem enlightens us with the concept, work hard. Hard work. Now without Noah's bracha or blessing, you'll say, well, why would I want to work hard? I'll be enslaved. I'm going to spend all eternity working hard for nothing? Shem, the son of Noah, the original Ben Noah, shows us if you work hard, if there's real satisfaction in hard work, in the name of God, not to be somebody's slave, but to work hard to produce a blessing in this world, then you have the blessing of a real Ben Noah. The toil of your hands will be eased. Now that concept in its inception was a little bit opaque, no? Or a little bit abstract? Ambiguous? Who were these people thousands of years ago? All I know is Noah made the plow, he made life a little easier, Shem was somehow involved with a boat, they saved the world. And that was the last we saw of those guys. They disappeared a long time ago. They're like dinosaurs. But did they really disappear? In fact, if you look with a keen eye, and not so much of a keen eye, an open eye, today's world is filled with the blessing of Shem and Noah. Has there ever been a generation in history filled with the ease of toil more than today? Today you have Apple iPhone, iPod, iPad, desktop, computer, netbook, laptop, remote control, Skype, internet, fiber optic communication, satellite communication. The, the labor has been eased. But maybe it's just because money started growing on trees. The last time I checked, I don't know where a money tree is. The money tree 
is the, be, to be like Shem. And what does Shem bring down? Hard work. The iPhone, iPad, Steve Jobs, Apple industry should be commended. They did not achieve these levels of the blessing of Noah by being lazy. They worked very hard to develop the hard copy, the formula. Anybody that ever has a squeaky chair puts WD-40 and gets rid of the squeak. That's very simple. You just spray a can. I don't know. I went to the store. I paid $4. I got a blue can with some numbers and letters. I don't know. I have no idea what this is. I just spray it and it goes away. One little spray and I can move my sliding door for the next two or three years. Never makes a peep. If you look a little carefully, this is a classic analogy of hard work and easing the toil of our hands. WD-40 stands for 40 attempts to make the right formula. Hard work. Like the Wright brothers building the airplane. Getting the craft just right through labor upon labor. And now what you do, you want to go across the pond. You sit on a plane. You might now, you probably have DVDs or whatever on the plane watching a movie and you land. It does not get any easier than that. How would you get across the ocean 200 years ago? Rowing a boat. Now through hard work, and they put hard, hard work, hard copy hours in developing how the, the labor can be eased today. That is a blessing of Shem and Noah. And it's, a, it's interesting that in today's generation, we see the blessing of Shem and Noah all the more so. That should tell us that the B'nai Noah movement is not just a movement. It's a time period that's flourishing for a reason. We know that we're on the cusp of major times. And who's present and accounted for right on cue? Right with where history says they should be? The Noahides. Shem and Noah everywhere today. That's what dominates our society. But it's not just because these were important people. Well, you know, Noah was a righteous guy. And Shem, his son, was a righteous man, the son of a righteous man. They earned those blessings. And in that boat, in that ark, that was the, in the, the imagery of a, of a womb, the entire future world is being painted, the picture in that condition. All the animals are there. All the life is there. Noah, Shem, Yafet, Ham are all in the boat, in the ark that Noah made physically. And Shem provided the spiritual labor to make the boat into a breeding ground of Torah. To understand what's going to be when they come out of the boat, when they come out of the ark. In that time period, it was foreseen. The blessings of Shem and Noah are part of the world. When they were in the, in the ark, it was seen that that's what made things happen. That was what they saw. In a miniature microcosmic world, the blessings of Shem and Noah took hold. So that when they come out and the new world is developed over time, what makes the world continue? The blessings of Shem and Noah. Why was Shem considered the firstborn of Noah if Shem was not the literal firstborn? 
Noah saw that his blessing would continue of easing the toil of our hands through the hard work of Shem. And they saw that the last generations, there would be the most hard work, and that's where the blessing of Noah would prevail. Shem, the son of Noah. Out of Shem comes a grandson. But before that even comes a daughter. The daughter of Shem, Tamar. Shem suppresses his seed. He doesn't focus on any of his five sons in hopes that there will one day be an Abraham to come and receive the Torah that Shem was teaching for 400 years. But that has to be earned. That's hard work. You can't just give your son everything and say, here, Shem himself was the recipient of a lack of hard work. Shem worked hard, but it wasn't hard to be born to Noah. That was a gift. That was an ease of the toil from Noah. So a, a righteous man, the son of a righteous man, is not exactly what needed to get the job done. There had to be some hard work. So Shem suppresses the seed, focuses on his daughter Tamar, the daughter of a priest. She's going to end up marrying Judah, one of the 12 tribes of Jacob, son of Isaac, son of Abraham. The, the, the lineage of the sons of Shem go on and develop their aspect of the world. And there's going to be a grandson of Shem named Aver. Aver comes from the, the language Ivrit, Hebrew. Aver as the academy of Shem and Aver. Aver was the original Hebrew. Abraham was called Abraham the Hebrew. And who was the father of the Hebrews? Shem. Shem, whose grandson was Aver, and eventually there's an Abraham to accept the Hebrew and the Torah of Shem. Abraham's going to come to the academy of Shem and Aver in Sfat, in the Holy Land. And next week we're going to talk about how many institutions of learning were to Shem. Was it just the institute in Israel? Or was there in fact a learning academy outside the land as well? Wow, Rabbi Katz, that was an unbelievable teaching. I'm sitting here kind of dumbfounded because there's a lot of information you gave us that I was unaware of. I mean, I'm sitting here. I'll tell you this, folks. Next time, I'm going to need to put my seatbelt on because this teaching just blew me out of my seat. But anyway, uh, thank you so much, Rabbi Katz. I look forward to the next teaching that you have with us on the Noahide Nation show. But man, this stuff t- this week, uh, you know, Shem and his daughter uh, Tamar, I mean, that's amazing. I, I, had, I was unaware of that. And that uh, Aver was the original Ivrim. My gosh, that's absolutely incredible. And I'll tell you what else, Rabbi Katz. I am going to be looking at a can of WD-40 a whole lot differently from here on out. So thanks for that. Folks, we appreciate you being with us this week, and we will catch you next week. Be well. Take care. Shavua Tov. Be a Hanukkah light to the world. Eddie from California is an Israel National Radio listener. He's also one of our Hanukkah lights, and he'd like to give a blessing to the IDF. Dear soldiers of Israel, I'm sending this message out that there is someone here that believes in all of you, the brave and courageous of Israel. 
Thank you, soldiers of Israel, for your choice in loving your people, in believing in your land, and fulfilling life through living Israel. God was, is, and will always be with you. Never forget that. Never. Happy Hanukkah.